Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's July 24th. 1980, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. I must admit I don't know much about sports psychology, but when all four members of the Australian Olympic swimming relay team pledged to each other that they would all swim their personal best, better than they'd ever swum in their entire lives, to win the event today in history in 1980, it must have felt like a combination of hope mixed with bluster at best. But sure enough, remarkably, they all did exactly that. And against all the odds, they ended up on top of the podium clutching gold medals. Yes, these are the four Australian men who won the 4 by 100 metres medley relay uh, in Moscow at the Olympics in 1980. Mark Tonelli, Peter Evans, Mark Kerry and Neil Brooks. And they didn't seem, it must be said in advance, to be a particularly promising prospect. Brooks, for example, had had an asthma attack and failed to qualify for the 100 metre freestyle final whilst Tonelli was only a part-time butterfly swimmer. He was a backstroke swimmer, really, and was given the role of butterfly. Yeah, and for context, this is the only time in Olympic history that the USA hasn't won the 100-metre medley. This was the Olympics where lots of countries, including the US, were boycotting. But Australia certainly weren't placed to step into the Americans' shoes. The Soviet hosts were favourites, along with Britain. This was the time when Duncan Goodhue was swimming, and Sweden were also up there. In fact, Australia was yet to win a medal in Moscow at all and had won no golds at the previous Games. Or the Games before that. Australia had had no gold medals whatever for eight years. Which is so bizarre considering now that Australia Australia has become such a dominant force in swimming in particular at the Olympics especially. But this team seemed so unlikely to become the team that would kind of create that whole new mythology of Australians as being these super swimmers because they were also marked by, like all four swimmers pretty much, were marked by these rebellious and anti-establishment tendencies. Tonelli and Kerry had actually been expelled from the 1978 Commonwealth Games team um, because the Australian Swimming Union had found out that they'd violated their curfew during a training camp in Hawaii. And Tonelli had been out drinking and admitted to smoking cannabis. And Kerry had been out courting a woman. They, They just had this sort of litany of not necessarily illegal or immoral by any sense uh, behaviour by <laughs> Courting certain... a woman <laughs> <laughs> whatever next um, I mean it wasn't it wasn't all innocent fun and games the, the, the pair of them also drunkenly tried to steal the city flag of Edmonton Canada while they were swimming there yeah that's still fun <laughs> um, it's not fun if you have pride in the city of Edmonton Arian true this I mean true. yeah they were they were larrikins to say the least but part of it was the fact that they were so young you know mm. the oldest and kind of self-appointed captain Tonelli was 23 Evans was 18, Kerry was 20, and Brooks was only 17, and he'd only represented Australia for the first time the previous year. So, you know, they were all real youngsters as well. 
Yeah, and I think also sport, I mean, all sport has been on this progression towards increasing professionalization. But definitely the 1980s was a time when you could do a bit more drinking and smoking of various substances and get away with still having some sort of an athletic career. And Evans actually once stopped during a training session and refused to do the extra mileage that his coach had told him to do, saying work is a poor substitute for talent, (laughs) which on one level, I respect enormously, but it just isn't in kind of the spirit of contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that feels like an insult and I haven't worked out why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the attitude didn't exactly exemplify quiet confidence. You know, they referred to themselves as the quietly confident quartet, but really what they meant was that they, they just weren't stressed about winning. But, you know, their thing was that they exuded what I guess was youthful confidence really you know they were just going for it there weren't particularly any expectations behind them and also the fact that they had put up with a lot in order to get here a lot of political blowback as well. Yes so the reason that the games had been boycotted by not only the USA but 65 other countries was because of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 and there was a lot of debate in Australia should we be sending our guys to the Olympics at all their feeling on the swimming team was well we're still trading with Russia as a country. Why should we ban their games? Um, But in uh, Russia, there was a huge pressure because we're talking about this like it was a kind of chilled out event for everybody. (laughs) The Soviets were pretty serious about winning this and indeed went on to win basically everything at their games. 195 medals, 80 golds included in that. And so the pressure in Russia for the Soviet athletes to really come through was immense. And going up against that, plus, as you say, the blowback in Australia itself, that kind of calmness of thought is um, counterintuitive. Even though we think of national teams as being an official representation of the nation, they're not actually managed by the government. You know, the government of Australia couldn't ban Australian athletes from attending. It was all being done through the individual sports unions and as you mentioned individual athletes you know they're being offered grants in exchange for withdrawing you know they're basically being bribed not to attend and many of them did and in may the australian olympic federation had voted six to five to send a team to moscow so it was a tight vote but when it came down to the individual disciplines they had to find money in order to get there because they weren't getting any government sports funding and they weren't going to get any corporate sponsorship because corporations didn't necessarily want to associate themselves with teams that were breaking the boycott so in the end it was the siemens union of australia they donated $50,000 to enable the swimming team to attend. Wow. <laughs> that seems such a sort of uh, aqua solidarity <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> if our boat's going to sink, we want you guys in the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so that brings us to today in history at the Olympijski Sports Complex. I mean, if you're going to do a parody of what the Russians would call their swimming centre, that's it, isn't it? Olympijski. Anyway, at the Olympijski Sports Complex, um, there were three heats. So in the morning, shock, Sweden, the favourites, were disqualified. They had mm. been the number one ranked team. So suddenly an opportunity's opening up. And then in the second heat, Australia surprisingly wins uh, with a time of 3.41.87, which incidentally also was an Olympic record for the second heat. Yeah, and the heats then carried on, and the other favoured team was obviously the home team. And the Soviets, they 
rested all of their main team for the heat while Australia had actually put up pretty much an entirely full-strength team, and they still came out best. So their second group of swimmers, like the second best group of swimmers from the Soviet Union, was still faster than Australia's top level. So at this stage, you're thinking, well, it's all done and dusted. You know, the Soviets are going to romp home. Obviously, no one stands a chance. And needless to say, given what we now know about the kind of caper that the Russians get up to... (laughs) Blind eyes were being turned to their actual uh, drug tests. So yeah. we don't we don't know uh, from this games which Russian athletes were taking steroids, etc., and and which weren't. The KGB were giving them clean urine samples to pretend it was their wee, to the extent that it became known in the foreign press as the chemists' games. So in all likelihood, many of these guys were taking drugs, which would have given them an advantage too, even though. Because the KGB were running the drug testing operation, the uh, games at the time were trumpeted as the cleanest on record. In terms of the urine they were sampling, it was the cleanest game. It was very yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a good job for the quartet that they weren't testing for soup strength lager, or I feel like there could have been some issues. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, getting to the race itself, he, Kerry went first. He didn't actually swim his personal best, he was two seconds slower, but he swam really well. He swam faster than he'd swum in his individual event, and Australia was then in fourth place. And then they moved forward radically with Evans. He did swim a personal best and that moved Australia into second place at the halfway mark. Yeah, then came Tonelli. He also swam a personal best, which is again remarkable. Yeah, I mean, incidentally worth mentioning, this is the first time any team won that wasn't comprised of Olympic medalists. Right. They themselves individually hadn't won any medals. But it still wasn't enough to take the lead from the Soviets, so it was down to Brooks to bring home the gold, which he did by overhauling Sergei Kopliakov in the final length with his personal best again, which gave the Australians gold by a margin of 0.22 seconds. Apparently in the final 10 metres, Brooks didn't come up to breathe and even said that he laughed as the last five metres unfolded because he could see that he was ahead enough that his opponent wouldn't be able to overtake him. (laughs) So there he was. They all did this remarkable feat. Against all the odds, they managed to win in spite of it all. There's definitely some kind of sports magic dust over the whole thing, though. You know, they really were more than the sum of their parts in that one moment. And it didn't happen again. You know, in the individual races, as you mentioned, Brooks had an asthma attack before the semi-final failed to qualify. Kerry and Evans both won bronze medals. Tonelli only reached one final and he finished seventh. If he had swum as fast as he'd swum his relay leg, he would have got the silver medal. They just couldn't replicate it again. Yeah, Evans, reflecting back on it, says that he went into an altered state. He said, it's what athletes call being in the zone. I was very, very focused. My mind was virtually outside my body. Yeah, and even though it was this incredible sports story, that complicated political context meant that they didn't meet with that kind of uncomplicated hero's welcome that you would ordinarily expect. Malcolm Fraser sent them a congratulatory telegram in his role as Prime Minister, but obviously in his role as head of the Australian Olympic Committee, who was wildly opposed to them attending the Games at all. The circumstances were really odd. You know, the telegram was passed to Australian team officials through the fence of the Olympic Village by embassy (laughs) staff. And it said, I did not and do not approve of Australia being represented at these Olympic Games. I do want to say, however, that your performance in the relay was a truly great sporting achievement. My personal congratulations, uh, which they responded to this by tearing it up. I mean, there was a rather more excitable reaction from the commentator Norman May, who was uh, watched by most Australians in the coverage of this event. The footage is on YouTube, but we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's, it's worth watching because... 
He gets so excited in that partisan way of when your country's winning a gold medal. He thinks, obviously, they've got a chance of winning the silver, and then it all turns in the last 10 seconds. And <laughs> he even says at one point, the crowd's going wild, which must be one of those cliches you prevent yourself from saying when you're a commentator, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just, he's just so excited. And then when they win, he literally just screams, gold, gold, gold. <laughs> it's just like he's been overcome by spirit. <laughs> Tomorrow. The Admiralty said it was a plane and not a boat. The Royal Air Force said it was a boat and not a plane. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.